time to get your pitch on. Into oh, this is Soccer Weekly. Your best look at the latest news and information from leagues around the world. Now, here's Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly. Welcome. I am Dave Denholm here on ESPN LA 710. And we begin Soccer Weekly. Usually you hear me, if you listen to the show more than once, you know I just fire right into the topic of the day, the biggest topic. Got some great advice here from ESPN LA 710's Amanda Brown to just do that with this show. And normally I do. I do want to just kind of take a step back in this particular episode right off of the top and mention, of course, the biggest news in the soccer world, Chapecoense uh, tragedy there uh, down in Colombia with the Brazilian team, Chapecoense, and the plane crash as they were heading off to take on Atletico Nacional in Copa Sudamericana. And just, you know, just a terrible tragedy. We all know that. We know the story. But out of that, uh, Atletico Nacional, if you haven't seen some of the the remembrances and some of the tributes that they've done for the, uh, the Chapecoense side and the tragedy that happened, uh, some beautiful uh, stuff from Atletico. But, of course, you know, we mourn the loss of life. It's just a, such a tragedy. And you, you just can only imagine the heartbreak for the friend, friends and family, of course, of that club. And that's the most important thing. We pray for them. Just wanted to mention that off the top. And did want to mention Atletico Nacional's response as well to this tragedy, saying that uh, Chapaquence should be given the Copa Sudamericana title, rewarded that title. That's just a classy move from Atletico Nacional. It just really is. And it, it, full kudos to them. And then you see the tributes, as I mentioned, and you just you just have to – it just restores a little bit of faith in people and in, in sport and in soccer. I know we like to look at the negative of everything so often. And, look, I'm, I'm a guy who sits here and talks to you for a living, so I have to look at negatives sometimes. Sometimes there's positive, sometimes there's negative. Of course, out of this tragedy – uh, we can see some just some really true, genuine acts of kindness out of it from uh, the people from Atletico Nacional and fans all over the world, really. And uh, that really actually warmed my heart. I don't want to get all sappy, you know. That's you know usually not what I do, but I got to say that was a, it was a beautiful thing. Some of the tributes, and we just want to again pray for the friends and family of the club of Chapecoense down in Brazil. MLS Cup. Set for Saturday. We move on December 10th now. Seattle at Toronto FC. That's the biggest story here when it comes to MLS. And I wanted to break this down as a TFC got by Montreal in an amazing, amazing two-leg series that finished up yesterday in Toronto. If you did not see it, shame on you, really. You missed everything. This second leg was incredible. Now, the first leg was unreal with Montreal and, and TFC. Montreal jumped out to a 3-0 lead the first leg. Looked like they had wrapped it up at home. Toronto FC, though, got two road, not just one, two road goals late that really, really turned it on its head. That just gave TFC so much confidence. Yes, they're still trailing 3-2 going into that second leg, but they had the two road goals, which are crucial, and they had momentum. And don't tell me that the team did not respond to that going home, grabbing those two late goals, and really feeling like they could still win the series without question. And they played that way, even after giving up a goal to Montreal early. Montreal actually was up 4-2 on aggregate, and then TFC winning on Wednesday 5-2. They take the aggregate 7-5, just an incredible game, back and forth. 
some really interesting goals. Some yeah, some shoddy defending. People say, oh, there's no. I love how people always want the four-two game, but as soon as you get a four-two or a five-three or a four-three game, you're like, well, oh, the defense was terrible. Well, what's what do you expect? Which is it? They can't all be world-class goals, and there were a few beauties. But you know, you score seven goals in one game. They can't all necessarily be Lionel Messi on his best day. Sometimes defenses are going to break down. That's part of it. So you know what happens? Why people always like, oh, the defense was terrible. It was five two. Because when defensive breakdowns happen in soccer or in hockey or other, a lot of times teams aren't able to capitalize. So all that you you kind of get those defensive breakdowns are hidden a bit. But in that game, people took advantage. Players took advantage of it. TFC took advantage of those breakdowns. And they fully deserve to move on. Now, Montreal is a good team. They, if Montreal would have hung on somehow or got the win, they would have deserved it too. Those were the two best teams in the East, without doubt. Seattle got by Colorado in a much more bland series, if you will. But Seattle still fully deserved it. Oh, the addition of Nico Lodero. Even when Clint Dempsey goes down with the issues that he's had with the heartbeat or whatnot, Seattle has, has not only not missed a beat, they've gotten better with Nico Lodero and just climbing after Brian Schmetzer took over for the fired Siggy Schmid. Absolutely gotten better and better and better every game, it seems. And a lot of that is defensively, but Nico Lodero really can take the pressure off of a team because he's so good offensively going forward, and that's the key. Look at Toronto FC. Josie Altidore, Sebastian Jovinko, Michael Bradley. These are superstars in MLS. These guys are being paid millions upon millions of dollars, and now we see why. That's exactly why Toronto FC went out and got these guys under the leadership of former LA Galaxy president Tim Laiwiki. Remember when he started that ball rolling? Now he's not still there with the with TFC and uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, but he got that whole thing started and what they wanted to do to make them a truly great team. And he has. They have, I should say. You think Greg Vanny is a world-class manager? Probably not. He's doing a nice job. They went out and spent the money to get the offensive players who could put the ball in the back of that. Josie Altidore was magnificent in that game. I mean, you can't overstate. There's not enough adjectives to throw around about what Josie Altidore did in that game on Wednesday against Montreal for Toronto. He was utterly incredible. And Jovinko's Jovinko. He's the best. Michael Bradley was rock solid. And Toronto FC just wanted it. They just Not that they wanted it more, but they weren't going to be denied in that game. And the, the talent won out. And again, taking nothing away from Montreal, they're very talented. Piatti is just so good. They've got some good players. They've got a good future ahead of them. They handled the DDA Drogba situation brilliantly. They didn't bow down and back down to him. And they handled it spectacularly. And they're still alive in Copa Libertadores. Or I'm sorry, Copa Libertadores. Listen to me. CONCACAF Champions Cup. Champions League. I hope I wish them nothing but the best in that. And Montreal's going to be fine. But Toronto FC going to be hosting MLS Cup coming up Saturday, December 10th against Seattle. This is why I always tell you money matters and stars matter in MLS. DPs, the designated players, matter. You have to get the right ones. And more and more, I'm convinced, the right ones are the offensive ones. You've got to get guys, if you're going to spend designated player money and use a designated player spot, they got to be able to create or score goals. It's just that simple. You have to be able to spend that money up front to put pressure on your opponents. And that's what Toronto FC does. That's all they do. Do they give up goals? Yeah. 
Are they the most locked down defense I've ever? No, you, they can be scored on. But they have that offense through those key players time and time and time and time again. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Fall down a goal, so what? Get back up. Pressure. That's all they do with Josie Altidore, Jovinko, and Michael Bradley and others. They've got, you saw Ricketts come off the bench and really do some things. You saw Benoit Cheru be effective off the bench. It's just who they are. And and full credit to them. And but that's where the money matters. People all yeah, you know, I like my club to not do it, you know, not spend too many. Are you insane? Of course I want my LA Galaxy to spend on the, the right players. Ah, but there's the rub. Toronto FC got the right ones. We've seen teams make way too many mistakes doing that same thing, right? Wasting money on DPs that don't have any effect or very little. Wouldn't say any. But you could say that they're not as effective as they need to be. And that's why TFC is now a game away from hoisting. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to win. It's a one-off, right? It's MLS Cup. We've seen it before. The better team doesn't always win. But Toronto FC is clearly superior to Seattle at this point. Doesn't mean they're going to win because Seattle's playing very well. But I'm telling you, on if we're dreaded, the dreaded moving guys around on a chalkboard or on paper, Toronto FC is loaded compared to Seattle. They are the favorites, and they're at home. Massive crowd. Now, the weather won't be too much of a factor in the sense that Seattle's used to some junky weather too, right? They play through crap up there all the time. Maybe not snow if that happens, but we see a lot of you know damp weather in Seattle for MLS. But I love the fact that TFC, even down a goal or up a goal, are going to pressure you. They're going to put the ball into your the defensive half, put their offense into gear, and put your defense on their heels. And with so many different ways to do it, whether it's off set pieces or through the run of play, they're just too dangerous. I I will say it right now. i got to believe Toronto FC is going to win. We'll probably break this down a little bit further next week's show, of course. We'll do a little bit more of a preview. But great, great MLS Cup final is set. TFC hosting Seattle. I very much look forward to that. This is Soccer Weekly. You want to hit me up at Talk Soccer. Share your thoughts at Talk Soccer on Twitter. You can follow me there, Dave Denholm, Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. Again, at Talk Soccer, hit us up there. Still to come, second half of the show, we got a lot about my LA Galaxy and some major changes for my and your LA Galaxy, including right near the top. They are, the Galaxy need to replace Bruce Arena and then some because Bruce was that big in this organization. And also, where do they go for 2017? The biggest needs... For my LA Galaxy, I'll tell you what they are. Second half, second Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly continues with the latest news and analysis from the pitch on ESPN LA 710. Here's Dave Denholm. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Dave Denholm with you. You can hit me up on Twitter, as always, at Talk Soccer. At Talk Soccer, you want to share your thoughts there. We keep the conversation going even as the show ends and moves on throughout the week. Feel free to hit me up and uh, keep in touch. Now, i got to talk about my LA Galaxy. Crucial times. These are crucial times for my LA Galaxy. If you've been following the news, you know they got the new general manager, Pete Vianis, who was moved up from director. I think he was vice president of player or personnel or some title like that. So Pete's in, been in on the organization. Good guy. Everybody likes him. Chris Klein, the president of the Galaxy, certainly likes him. You move Pete Vianis up. That makes sense. That seemed like it was going to be. But now... Pete Vianis and Chris Klein's first thing to do together 
as GM and president is to find a coach, find that manager that's going to carry the Galaxy forward. These are crucial times because you're not going to get another Bruce Arena, whether you like it or not. And there's some good and bad about that, by the way. There's some good things about not getting another Bruce Arena. Maybe he'll be a little more fluid and flexible with their lineups or with the adjustments and the things that need to be done in-game in that maybe Bruce Arena wasn't quite as adept at. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Bruce Arena is the best coach you'll ever get, and that's a danger too. So there are big shoes to fill. Bruce Arena certainly had a lot of success as general manager and manager of this team. But now it's up to Pete Viennes and Chris Klein to right this ship because it hasn't been going spectacularly. Bruce Arena left because it wasn't going spectacularly. If the Galaxy were on a four-consecutive MLS Cup streak, you think anybody would be rocking the boat at this point? No. Dave Sarikin leaves because they weren't winning. They weren't having success. That's the bottom line. I don't care about records and making the playoffs. And The Galaxy were awful this year. They lost seven games in 37 matches, and it was a bad season at times. Now, some games, they were brilliant. They have talent. Couldn't quite put it all together, though, this season. And that is why this is crucial time. For my LA Galaxy. Got a couple of key ingredients. First of all, I want to tell you, like I said I was going to before the break, give you my key needs, the biggest needs in 2017 for my LA Galaxy and your LA Galaxy. All right? These are it. Not in any order. I'm just going to say them and then we can talk about them and maybe prioritize them a little bit more. The biggest needs are this. Goalkeeping. Some of you don't agree with that. I know you love Brian Rowe. You're wrong. Midfield. And I mean a lot of midfielders, not just one creative midfielder. We need help. We need depth that is cheaper against the cap. And the Galaxy, quite frankly, one of the biggest needs is to bring back that passion and desire. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that in 2016 the Galaxy ran around and didn't care. That's not true. I don't believe that. But they need to find that real passion and desire to win again and get back to the top of the mountain. And that includes Champions League. That includes U.S. Open Cup. I want to win it all. I'm greedy. When it comes to sports and the L.A. Galaxy, I'm greedy. Gordon Gecko said it. Greed is good when it comes to my L.A. Galaxy. Now I'm paraphrasing. And MLS. I want to win it all. Not just MLS Cup. I don't want to just win the Supporter Shield. I want to win CONCACAF Champions League. I want to win the Open Cup. And then I want to go on and win the Club World Cup after we win Champions League. I want it all. I'm demanding it all. And that's the kind of passion and desire we got to get back to. Now, you can say that's a, it doesn't matter if you think as a fan, if you say, well, that's a unreal. No, that's what we got to be striving for. And we need that passion back. We also, now this is not a need, but it's something crucial. They must not make mistakes with the DP and the big, big money players. There's some spl- slots open, as you're well aware. Steven Gerrard, Robbie Keane, gone. The Galaxy could make some moves to even free up more salary cap. And they cannot afford to make mistakes bringing in designated players and big money players. They have to be top-notch. They have to be Robbie Keane-like until last season. And even then, Robbie Keane was very good most of the season. They can't be Steven Gerrard-like. I'm sorry. Sorry, Steven. You tried hard. Appreciate your time. Thank you for coming over. Nice to uh, have you on the uh, Galaxy. Probably won't remember you that much longer than when you said goodbye, honestly. So we got to do better than that. But getting back to the actual needs on the field, let's address them. Goalkeeping. Clement Jop, a lot of talent. A little too reckless. Brian Rowe, I never know what I'm going to get with this guy. 
One night he can look like uh, Peter Check in his prime, and the next night he can look like me in goal. That's just, there's just no consistency there. Now, I know he had the stats and everything. That was uh, largely due to the defense. Does he organize a good defense? Yeah, not bad at that. But he's not a world-class keeper. I'm not sitting here telling you we've got to go out and get a world-class keeper, but he was just too inconsistent. And I don't trust Dan Kennedy. I never have. I never thought Dan Kennedy was much, to be honest. And again, not a bad player. I just didn't think Dan Kennedy was as great as everybody else makes him out to be. Galaxy need help at goalkeeper. And by help, I mean we need a starter. That's just it. If everybody thinks Clement Jopp is ready to take that mantle, I guess you give him an opportunity. But to me, he was a little reckless and wild still. He's got work to do. Midfield, it has to be creative. Yes, we also need a defensive midfielder. We do with somebody with, who can actually, though, get the offense going. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Jeff Laurentowitz ain't going to cut it. Now, I know Nigel De Jong was brought in, and he was just a red card waiting to happen, and I get all that, and he had to go, and it was time to whatever. That didn't work either. The Galaxy must have an offensive central midfielder. Must. Got to have it. It's not even close. And that's the, that's the biggest need is to get someone in the midfield to get that attack sprung so Giovanni Dos Santos and Jossi Zardes get chances up front. Those are the guys that I want up front. Cheaper depth? I don't know that I need to be paying Alan Gordon and Mike McGee and Jeff Laurentowitz and A.J. De La Garza the money that I'm paying them if I'm the Galaxy. If I'm, if I'm Chris Klein and I'm looking at that, those four are, oh gosh, I want to say close to... $900,000 against the cap. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot for people who are listening that maybe you're you're a basketball fan or a baseball, but the LA Galaxy the MLS salary cap is something in the three and a half, roughly million dollar range. And I know some of the players make more than that. That's the designated player spot. It brings the cap hit down. If you know anything about the NBA, there's similar things with cap hits and all that. So don't be too scared. Most, you know, a lot of guys are making more than that, but not not nearly many. You know, not nearly as many as it should, maybe. But also the depth you have on a team in MLS, you need to make it as cheap as possible. And I don't want to be paying Alan Gordon and AJ Delagarza and Jeff. Lur- I know Delagarza is much loved by everyone, and that's fine. I don't particularly think he's a starter anymore in MLS. He's a good backup, but not for a couple hundred thousand dollars, two hundred twenty-five or whatever his cap hit is. I don't want Mike McGee around at that n- number. I'm sorry. They want to sign for less, whatever, but that, we're going to have to clear that out. And I'm not even saying they can this year. Those contracts may still be good. I mean, those players may still have deals. I'm not even sure about the length of those. we got to get cheaper depth over the next couple of seasons. Without question. And, I mean, not just give away those guys and get nothing. I mean, I'm talking about getting depth, whether it's the young guys coming up through LA Galaxy 2. They better be ready to play. I mean, we found Sebastian Legette for nothing, for a good price. Go get some more. Stop overpaying older veterans in MLS. We don't need that. Those are our big needs. Absolutely necessary for those kind of, for those things to come down, as as is. They, the Galaxy must find those needs and fill them. And quickly. And then, of course, you got to have Jossie Zardes healthy. We all know about the health and all that. No question. They have to absolutely find that linchpin midfielder, offensive, creative, Cienfuegos type that we haven't had in a long, long, long time. Must get that player in here. Must strengthen the wings in the midfielder. They weren't terrible. Boateng's got a little bit of future. I like I like his play. Legette can play outside. They maybe get another winger. 
just for some depth there. But again, can't miss on those DPs either. Those are the key. What are your absolute needs for 2017 for the Galaxy? Tweet me. We can continue the conversation even after the show here. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Give me your big needs for the LA Galaxy. Even if you're not a fan of the Galaxy, what do you see? as their biggest needs for 2017. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely keep the conversation going throughout the week. Uh, do uh, want to mention scouting report. Swansea midfielder Gilfie Sigurdsson. Keep an eye on him if you get a chance. You know, we all know the story. Bob Bradley took over at Swansea. And keep an eye on him as you watch those games. I, I highly suggest it. Let me give you my scouting report on Gilfie Sigurdsson in a nutshell. Kind of quick here. His strengths, he's a good passer, great vision. He can score with either foot. He understands the game, and more importantly, he understands his opponent. Sigurdsson knows how to attack certain opponents and certain clubs in ways that are not just the generic, well, this is what I'm good at, I'm going to go do it. Sigurdsson can take his game and adapt it to be even more dangerous, which I like out of him. He's got a good brain, and he can do that on the pitch. Some of his weaknesses, though, he doesn't often enough take over a game. Now, whatever that means in quotes, air quotes, it's bad radio, but I'm doing it anyway. He, his influence is not strong enough at times. And for a player of his talent, he has to have a stronger influence. Go get the ball, Gilfie. Go get the ball more for Swansea. Nice player. I give him a solid, solid B. So, yeah, check out Gilfie Sigurdsson the next time Swansea is playing. Once again, hit me up at Talk Soccer on Twitter as well. And uh, before we go, Mario, you know what time it is. It's my favorite time. Stoppage time. That's right. It's stoppage time. There is no need for me to finish with a joke with this episode, only because of what we talked about at the beginning of the show, the Chapecoense tragedy with the Brazilian football team. We should all just pray for family and friends of Chapecoense and their organization to move on and hopefully just find some peace in this tragedy. Once again, I do want to say uh, I don't know how anyone could not now root for Atletico Nacional after uh, some of the display they uh, put forth after the Chapecoense tragedy in terms of of just memorials and and remembrances and also their thought on giving this Copa Sudamericana title to Chapecoense. That was just really magical. And uh, kudos to Atletico Nacional. You have a fan in me, that is for sure. This has been Soccer Weekly. I'm Dave Dunholm. On the home of Soccer Weekly, it's ESPN LA. Coming up, ESPN LA Rewind with Jeff Biggs next.